Welcome to the Awake Space Astrology Podcast. I'm Lori Rivers with you here to help you with some inspiration to get those aspirations out into the world. And I'm really excited for episode 16. I have put myself into a really aligned space because we will have the final part of the interview with Asanabe who is a spiritual mentor and teacher of the seventh flame prophecy. And he has some wise words, important words that really need to be heard. And I'm, I'm happy to share this with you. Uh, It's important to uplift one another in teaching and it takes a whole lot of us to get a big job done and his work is something that I value very much I am a patron of his and I have his patreon linked in fact all of his link tree linked I want you to check out everything he does he has a book he has um, dream catchers that he makes in the traditional way that is a spiritual tradition And I want you to support him if you feel so inclined and aligned. What else is going to happen on today's episode? Well, we're going to talk about the times we live in. We're close to Venus entering Gemini this week. And so we're going to talk about Venus entering Gemini and how we can use that energy to our advantage as spiritual beings having a human experience. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what you can do in the world, how you can be a support and an agent of change without having to be off on your own or do dangerous things and why you don't want to have to wait for a chosen one, why the times we're moving into require collective work and what that means. And as always, we'll do patron shout-outs. Then we'll have the interview with Asanabe. And then I will answer some questions. And I'm going to start taking spiritual questions as well as pure astrological questions. Because um, astrology is not inherently a spiritual practice. It's an it's an esoteric practice. It's It's... A form of divination it is a great way to explore your personality and understand the bridge between your spirit your physical self and how to express that in the world and also we I, I am a metaphysician I am an energy worker I am a spiritual teacher I usually used to save that bit for far behind the scenes because of some of the practices I was taught, which is, you know, um, and some of them are closed practices. So I don't, don't talk about those always, but there is information to share. And so I'll be answering a spiritual question and an astrological question or two at the end in the Q and a at the end of the episode. 
As always, this podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Awake Space, and I give shout-outs to the brand new patrons and the Patreon shout-out. Um, we are closing in on our goal of a thousand patrons. We're close to eight hundred now, and we're hoping to get to a thousand by the end of twenty twenty-three. When we do that, then I can put us into the team account, so I can get some administrative help, so I don't have to do it all by myself. Um, oh, and I have a new astrology um, horoscope format that you guys will be getting uh, if you are at the level that receives horoscopes and up. And uh, Planet of the Month is exploring Venus, and that's part of what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Venus entering Gemini, what that means for everyone, what that means for the world, and how you can leverage that energy. Okay, let's get on with the show. Well, there's a lot going on in the world right now, isn't there? And it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to feel helpless. It's easy to feel shocked, dismayed. And I know a lot of you woke up. You woke up maybe in 2016 or 2018 or 2020. Maybe some of you woke up before that. And there comes this kind of hubris that comes with an awakening. A lot of times, you know, there's a sense of superiority because everybody else around you is asleep. And so you're awake and the little pride that comes with that. Um, to be honest, it's no different than waking up in the morning and waking up before everybody else so you can make the coffee. Okay. <clears throat> waking up just means you're, you're conscious, you're, you're able to be aware, but that is the first step. I want you to think about it. what do you do when you wake up in the morning? You might go to the bathroom, you might um, put on the coffee pot or the teapot or drink water, whatever, whatever your morning ritual is, and then you go about your day. Okay. Sometimes, maybe on a weekend, maybe maybe on just a day you're low energy, you just your eyes open and you're like, nah, and you roll over, you go back to sleep. So too do we work with our consciousness. And some people are there to wake people up. Some people are there to guide the awakened. Other people are there to afflict the comfortable. Some people are provocateurs. Some people take physical action. Some people teach. Some people lead. And some people co-create. And we can fill all of those roles at certain times. <clears throat> In Planet of the Month, which is a Patreon tier that I, that I offer, I teach each planet in an isolated way deconstructing patriarchy out of the interpretations because patriarchy and astrology started around the same time and they didn't start in the United States and they didn't start in Great Britain they didn't start in medieval Europe they didn't even start in ancient Greece they started at the cradle of what is called civilization right for Europe which is in Mesopotamia and a fun fact, thanks to Dr. Gerda Lerner and the people who researched with her, 
And there's a great interview um, on YouTube with her. They found that until 200 years into the Bronze Age, there was parity between sexes and genders. There was no organized warfare. There was isolated violence, but no organized warfare. It wasn't until we moved out of hunting and gathering and into uh, horticulture and quote-unquote civilization that those things became something. And I think this is really important because anytime we start to use an interpretation, we have to know where it's coming from. What is the lens that we're using? Because interpretation means to tell the story, and story is powerful. We have Venus moving into Gemini on the 11th of April. And Venus in Gemini has a love of story has a love and curiosity of learning. It is filled and excited and sated by variety, by understanding. And sometimes it enjoys a giggle. The story we tell shapes our reality. And we can speak a truth, a half-truth, or anything in between. And they're all based on perception. And we can speak lies. All of us. That's what humans can do. We are masterful at the stories we tell and the narratives that we live. And so in Planet of the Month, one of the things I'm doing is I'm teaching interpretation the way I employ it. And it's something I've been passionate about since I was a beginning astrologer because of my other training. I was always compelled from the time I was a child to understand what other people thought and what other people believed. Um, from the minute I got this little dandelion press book called Come Over to My House, Come Over and Play, and it showed a variety of people from all over the world dressed in traditional costumes with their traditional homes. And it was a bunch of little kids saying, come over to my house, come over to play. And it celebrated the uniqueness of the individual, but, but recognizing our shared humanness. And that little book still holds a special place in my heart because it provoked a life of study and trying to understand what the differences are, the lenses we th see through, the languages we speak, the metaphors we use, where they come from, the languages we use to describe experience, whether that is through verbal, nonverbal, artistic, and Learning to listen to other people was one of the greatest skills I cultivated, was the art of listening, not to respond, not to have another answer, not to engage, but rather to understand. And Venus in Gemini gives us that opportunity at the higher levels. It gives us the opportunity 
to not look for like-mindedness, but like-heartedness. That's the most powerful concept I can think of. Because groupthink has no diversity. You know, people want harmony. But when you speak of harmony, it isn't the same as unity. If you've ever sung in a choir and you have sung different parts, and it depends on the choir, there can be four parts, there can be eight parts, there can be 16 parts, and each person can be singing different musical arrangement than the person in the next section, but with skill and a common purpose, the diversity of sound is expressed in a unified voice. Again, our uniqueness expressed through a common aim, through a common purpose. And that's what this episode is about. It's so easy to become polarized because we have binary thinking. Good, bad, right, wrong, virtuous, debauchery, male, female, either, or, when often things can be and both. And the greatest shadow you can have is one of virtue. And so I'm trying to frame I'm trying to frame the interview with Asanabe in a in a respectful way and in in the way a jeweler might have a setting to meet a stone. Right? And so here's the deal. It's so amazing for us as people to have the opportunity to live in this time of massive systemic change. It's easy to look at the world with despair, but understand that these are symptoms of a problem that's been long existent. And it is evidence that a system is crumbling a system of dominance and control. Okay. And it may not feel like that because you'd be like, wow, it looks like they're doubling down, Lori. <laughs> and they are. They're doubling down just like a wounded snake will double down and try to bite you before it passes. And so it can be dangerous. I didn't say there wasn't an element of danger. And yet it is still a beautiful moment. But this moment isn't going to pass in a week or a month or a year. It's going to last several years. And if you allow yourself to be discouraged, if you feel too small, if you feel insignificant, if you allow the binary of patriarchy and hierarchy of dominance and control to oppress you, you are not able to uplift other in their journey. And right now, we're not going to have unity consciousness. We're probably never going to have unity consciousness. That would be boring. But we can have harmony. And in harmony, you have many voices singing different musical arrangements that blend into the cacophony of our human soul. 
we have opportunity with Venus and Gemini to focus on the stories that uplift us and focus on the stories that deplete us. Don't mistake a story that is difficult to hear because we resist the guilt and the shame and the blame. <clears throat> Don't confuse that with a depletion. Okay. So when, when you're listening to Asanabe's interview, don't listen to rebut. Don't listen in self-defense. Just listen. Just listen. And then do what he asks. Educate your friends. Let them know about residential schools. Let them know about the genocide. Let them know. Not because we need to feel guilt. Because how else do we support our brothers and sisters so that they don't have to worry about their children being taken away so that they don't have their religions made illegal again so that they can teach their children their ceremony so they can continue to reconnect with their practices listen with an open mind and an open heart okay so in plan of the month i teach my interpretations which are very accurate and they are what i call progressive evolutionary applied astrology meaning i believe we need to open our perception of how reality can and does work. Now, I reference the quantum, okay, like quantum physics, so as to not step on other beliefs and traditions that may or may not be closed. And because it resonates with me. Okay. We definitely probably have other dimensions. Even quantum physicists say that. We definitely have alternate realities. We definitely have the ability to be fluid in time because time is an illusion. We definitely have the ability to connect with many different kinds of spirit, depending on who you are and your practices. We don't want to appropriate other cultures, and that's why I tend to use the reasoned language I do because it's not my job to take on other people's practices. I've been mindful of that since the beginning. Cultural appropriation was something we knew about long before TikTok. Okay, long before. <laughs> so, Venus is the planet that is often glossed over it, it is like a magnet. It is a magnifying force. But magnets can, magnets can repel as easily as they can attract. And if you are operating in the consciousness of the oppressed, and that can include the colonized and colonizer mindset, when we're operating from a lens of patriarchy, even if it's internalized, you might intellectually know that it's wrong but when you tell the story 
that you are too small, too big, too much, too little, too fat, too thin, <clears throat> when you only worry about romance and if you're partnered and meeting the social standards, which is oppression, because especially for women, but men, it's a little different. And I mean, those socialized as I'm not leaving out our trans friends, but when you've been socialized female, you were taught in Western European tradition that your value comes from the person who owns you. And that would be your partner because you gave up your autonomy and you had no value without someone possessing you. That's what a modern marriage contract stemmed from. We were chattel and they're trying to bring it back. <clears throat> Good times. <clears throat> and men who feel bereft without a partner, it's because they come from a place of ownership. Now, this is not a blame statement. This is cultural indoctrination. It starts when we're a little itty bitty. Okay. Yeah. From what we think is masculine and feminine dress to what we think relationships need to look like, what makes you good as a woman, what makes you good as a man. Even in the spiritual community, we hear a lot of BS around divine feminine and divine masculine. And I just laugh at the universal level. There's no gender. In the physical realm, we have gender. And in the natural world, and that would include spirits, we might see gender of a kind. It's probably played out a little differently than in the dense physical reality. Notice I keep saying probably, right? Right? Venus, when you're operating from your social cultural conditioning, can have you chasing what you want. Like somebody like, imagine you have an important ticket. Maybe you have a winning lottery ticket in your hand and it flies out of your hand and you're outside and the wind's picking it up. And every time you get just near it and you go to grab it, it flies out of your way, maybe three or four feet and you have to scramble after it again. That's what, that would be a polarized Venus. <laughs> okay. Where you almost get there and then it's just quite, not quite in reach because you're pushing it away with your story of not enoughness, with unlovedness, with aloneness, woundedness. We've all been wounded, my friends. But there is nothing but love for you from the universe. You didn't, you didn't, you're not getting punished by the universe. Bad things don't happen to you because the universe doesn't like you. We don't pick our traumas when we incarnate. We know that when we come here, that there is a likelihood of having challenges and obstacles happen at some point. And so we equip ourselves with everything necessary to navigate that. Okay. That's why there isn't a single spiritual teacher I know who has not had an intense and interesting life. It's almost, you know, think of an initiatory process. <clears throat> Some of us <clears throat> have tr suffered tremendous abuse. 
Some of us have, as a result of that, walked interesting lives, dissociated, found addictions of different kinds, and then found a route to healing. Because how do you become a healer and a teacher if you haven't got the experience to teach? And so don't blame yourself for the bumps and the bruises in life. Okay. Don't do that. Don't tell those stories in a way that make you wrong. Okay. When Venus enters Gemini, we each have the ability to craft the story that makes our soul sing. And to listen to the stories of others and collect stories to share. And to attract the interesting curiosities of life that make our hearts sing. Whether it's a shiny bubble, a beautiful message from a bird. You'll probably see a lot of birds if you're a spiritual person. You'll probably see a lot of birds. They may have messages for you. Pay attention to the synchronicities. And if you want to get the most out of the transit, tell a story that moves you from the present to the future. In a way you want to see it build. Don't tell the story of destruction. Tell the story of healing. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying don't share what Asanabe has talked about in his interview. But let people know what has happened to the indigenous people of Turtle Island, North America. Let people know about the residential schools. Let people know that Native American indigenous people had their children <clears throat> ripped from their arms, their cultural, their cultural traditions stripped, their dignity and their humanity codified, null and void in the law. That is the story that people need to hear because it helps gain support to continue their healing. Okay, you tell the story so other people become aware and have empathy and understanding so that there can be support for the protection of people who are finally beginning to able to recoup their culture, their traditions, and their connections here on planet Earth. Okay. So you're not telling a story of destruction when you tell it. You're teaching history and then tell the story of hope. Tell people where they can hear the story of building, of connecting, where they can hear the story of the seventh fire prophecy. Okay. Right. If you want to know what's going to be up on deck this week, I'm going to say it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of tea out there in the world. There's going to be a lot of storytelling. 
we're probably going to see some interesting innovations happen when it comes to electrical vehicles, um, communications devices. We might even, you know, there might be some stress there. There might be some good stuff. But we also have the opportunity to hear some really good poetry, some really good storytelling. You might be inspired. You may be inspired to share the stories of others. And don't take on the role of savior. You don't need to save anybody. You just need to share with other people so they can hear it because not everybody's good at listening. Right? Okay, I'm going to put Asanabe's interview up next, and then we'll do patron shout-outs. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about what we can expect at the end of the week, or throughout the week this week, and astrologically, and then I'll answer things in the Q&A. Okay, I made you wait a whole week, but we're back with Asanabe, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the doctrine of discovery intertwines with the seventh fire um, prophecies. Um, Asanabe, what are the seventh fire prophecies? The seventh fire prophecies came to the Anishinaabe people probably eight to 900 years ago, somewhere around there. And it told us what, what we needed to do and what was going to happen. And just to give you an idea, my tribe used to be all along the East coast of America is where we were. You know, we extended all along the East coast and the first prophecy said, you need to move and find the place where the food grows on the water or you will be destroyed. And so there was a group of the, the people that did that. And that's what led us to where we are in Minnesota, Wisconsin, around the Great Lakes region where the wild rice grows mm-hmm. on the water. It's a prophesized food, okay? Nobody mm-hmm. used ate it before we did. And uh, it was very significant because the, the, the ones that stayed behind were destroyed mm-hmm. by colonization, right? Mm-hmm. and so it tells the story of of my people and how we migrated to the where we're at and then in the fourth fire the light-skinned race comes into the picture tells us that there will be two different kinds of them okay then in the fifth fire it says there will come a time of suffering that will grip the lives of all native people. So in the fifth fire, it's, it brings all native people into this. And the fifth fire describes that there will come t- this false promise will come among the people and those who listen to the promise will take their children away from the elders. And the sixth fire said, in the time of the sixth fire, it will be evident that the promise of the fifth fire came in a false way. Those deceived by this promise will take their children away from the teachings of the elders. Grandsons and granddaughters will turn against the elders. 
in this way the elders will lose their reason for living they will lose their purpose in life at this time a new sickness will come among the people the balance of many people will be disturbed and i believe the promise was about the salvation through christianity and what they did to our people with the forced assimilation and the genocide of in the in the boarding schools the cultural genocide they did with their mission of kill the indian save the man yeah all indigenous people went through this i just want to make it clear this was not an isolated incident that happened to a few all native people every native village for the last 150 years okay up until the 50s and 60s yeah all the kids were taken away okay they would come into the village take the kids away and bring them to these boarding schools where they were the the boarding schools were funded by the government and operated by religious institutions and they were essentially child labor camps where they used military um techniques to to uh assimilate the native children into the way of life of of the white man so to speak mm-hmm. but what i'm really here to talk about is the seventh fire okay the seventh fire talks about the light skin race again okay It is at this time that the light-skinned race will be given a choice between two roads. If they choose the right road, then the seventh fire will light the eighth and final fire, an eternal fire of peace, love, brotherhood, and sisterhood. If the light-skinned race makes the wrong choice of roads, then the destruction which they brought with them in coming to this country will come back at them and cause much suffering and death to all of the earth's people. And that's the end of the prophecy okay so it's pretty um it's pretty epic yeah know what i mean yeah no it is it is and so what are when you're teaching this and you said that when the white skin race and we do have a path and it's funny because in my personal experience i i actually did have a choice between the left and right hand at about 18 years old um and chose the right um because people have been kept in ignorance and and sometimes some people fall into their spiritual path you know through trauma or trauma doesn't have to cause it but it can be a cause of it sometimes they they it just falls into them but we are in a time of of awakening because people are noticing the the facade and the charade of society and culture and the rat race and the slaving on the altar of post-industrial capitalism. Um, what what in in your experience and opinion can people do first as they're waking? Because it's the awake space, right? Um, so when people first awaken and they're, they're seeking and they, they recognize the part they play, what would you tell them? This is where decolonization comes into the picture. It's about decolonization. 
So if we go all the way back to the doctrine of discovery, okay, and then we understand how colonization took place, where we are at today in our society is a direct result of those things in history, okay? That's why America is Euro-dominant. Mm-hmm. That's why American policies are all based on European um, ways. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of land ownership and individual gain and profit and all that, mm-hmm. these are not beliefs from this land. Mm-hmm. And so the system, the whole matrix, is colonization. And so that's why decolonization must take place first in the person's mind you have to realize that your belief okay this can depending on where you are in your path mm-hmm. as a member of the light-skinned race you might have to um take some anti-racism classes mm-hmm. and and deconstruct your own um ingrained tendency to have racist ideas through no fault of your own okay mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just the way the american society is this whole concept of white privilege is mm-hmm. essentially what happens when you grow up white in america live watching tv and celebrating thanksgiving and everything else that goes along with american culture you know you, you what's your idea you know, like uh, there's a, a test you right now just be like what do you think of when you think of an indian you know and if some old cartoon of an indian with a feather sticking out of their hair in the 1600s in a teepee comes to your mind you're racist it's it's just because that when i when i bring it back to how indigenous people experience racism it's by being erased and um forgotten and left out of the story so nobody knows what happened to us from the time that we were this people living on the prairie with feathers in our hair to now you know what i mean and so the idea of decolonization is necessary because you can't really know where you are until you really know where you came from and so when we talk about this you know, a part of that is the historical trauma that comes along with it. When people have colonizer ancestors, there is a, that's what we have to work through. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's understanding the ancestral traumas are just as affecting your actual real day life as Mm -hmm. traumas that happen to you in your actual life. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're, they're equally important. And so you know, when we have different historical trauma to work through, you know, I realized that it could be a painful process to um, go back in and um, actualize that, you know yeah. what I mean? For, for, for colonizers to understand the, the genocide and the slavery yeah. and the attitude and the way yeah. that they gained the power on this land. And I realize that it's, it's, but, but if you're going to have empathy, okay, empathy Mm -hmm. is about looking at who else, right? Right. You have to realize that every indigenous person on this land, when they're doing their ancestor trauma healing, they have to come to the realization that their people were killed. 
slaughtered. They have to come to the realization that we have lost basically everything. The realization that they didn't only want our land. They didn't only want our stuff. They literally came for our children and they wanted to take our very souls. They wanted literally every single thing from us and they had this and, and they forced it. They forced it. And, and if we're talking about the, you know, you know, and then like, like when black people, they have to think about the slavery, you know, for it's a painful thing to have to deal with and recognize and heal from. So all Americans who have history on this continent have a level of historical trauma. Okay. But if you're a POC, you know, if you're native or black, your historical trauma has to do with PTSD in an ancestral way okay from what happened to you Mm -hmm. if you're of the colonizer right your historical trauma is going to have more to do with the the, it's not really ptsd it's it's a different form called pits Mm -hmm. perpetration induced traumatic syndrome Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. the 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 victim gets traumatized by having a crime done to them okay but nobody talks about how the perpetrator also gets traumatized after having done something okay and they experience that trauma in different ways and one way the pits trauma manifests is fear of retaliation Yes. If somebody hurts somebody else, they're going to kind of have this fear that that person's going to come back and get their revenge one day. Yes. And so that could be one of the, uh, that historical trauma aspect could cause a lot of internal racism in people to this day yes. to where, you know, we look at how a lot of the American men only care about their second amendment rights. Okay. They only Mm -hmm. care about their guns. And what are they afraid of? They're afraid someone's going to break into their house and take their stuff and hurt their family. And they, that's why they need their guns. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're afraid of anybody getting even with them. But could that be the historical um, karma of actually having ancestors that broke into somebody else's house, took all of their stuff and hurt their family? Yes. No. 100%. 100%. And so this 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 fear, this having to lock the door, this fear of crime, mm-hmm. you know, somebody stealing your stuff mm-hmm. is um, all historical trauma stuff. If we yeah. look at how often that actually happens, where somebody breaks into somebody's house and steals their stuff, it's right. like, it's like more rare than, you know, you know a lot of the things you know kind of how we used to have fire drills when we were kids because we thought all these buildings were going to be starting on fire right i have never had to stop drop and roll once in my life you know what i'm saying right exactly exactly and now what are they doing now instead of having fire drills for our kids at school they're having active shooter drills right unfortunately there's more of those than there are building fires Mm mm-hmm and it's a result of the historical trauma of the fear 100%, 100%, 100%. of retaliation. 100%. That's why America has the bombs and the biggest military. Yes. Because that's, you know, you think about it on the individual scale. This 
this guy over here needs 50 guns and a security system with night vision cameras and two guard dogs because he's just so scared someone's going to break into his house. Yeah. You blow that up to a national level. We need a yeah. $60 trillion military with nuclear bombs all over the planet and a base in everybody else's house because we're so terrified somebody's going to come in here and yeah. steal our stuff. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's the American historical trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes those ideas are so big, like the on the the like the global level and the national level. And when an individual comes to it, it can it can be like more than they can work on. And and we risk people like shutting down. On I an indiv on an individual level. What can a person start with? And again, it's not your, it really shouldn't be your job to teach it <laughs> to white people. Um, I think it has to do with finding community, mm -hmm. finding people who you can talk to about this, mm -hmm. finding and having a mentor maybe who's even mm -hmm. a little further down the road than you are. 100%. It's hard to, um, you know, especially the way these 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 things manifest in our society. You know, yes. the whole idea of white privilege and white fragility yes. is based around coming from a white insulated life yes. to where everyone you know is white and your friends are white and yeah. you know the 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 your boss is white and the cops are white and the judge right. is white and and not really having real life experiences those people that are not white you know right. what i mean right. and exactly. and this just the the um the way that other people are perceived when you don't actually know them and so i think that when we we talk about this um idea of decolonizing i think decolonizing and anti-racism all mm -hmm. go together with the spiritual path everyone I has i had to learn it you know yeah i was angry 100%. at white people when i was going up to the ceremonies i was like white people fuck them you know i was right. so mad yeah and well, i had to i had to heal so. and decolonize mm -hmm. and all this stuff you know and understand mm -hmm. you know that uh that you know it's 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 more about the ideals and the and the leaders and the trauma and the and the whole idea that's how <laughs> hundred percent. Well, and that's... my whole theory of discovery theory was born. Right. Yeah. They were hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Well, they uh, hurt us super bad. Right. Uh, well, they were freaking pretty hurt pretty bad. You think about a society that was born out of hundreds of years of drinking alcohol all day, yeah. every day, and following Christianity and yeah. dirt poor and peasant hovels right. while right. takes your kids right. away. You right. know what I mean? Well, you know when you look at the the spread of christianity through europe the indigenous people of europe were slaughtered or assimilated through the roman expansion exactly and um in the, in the medieval yeah. peasant societies yeah were were the most extreme wealth gaps you can think of yeah the, to where the peasants yeah. the majority of them in europe were literally yeah. dirt poor wearing yes. literal rags yes yes and you know when we when i when i teach about that i explain that's why people are afraid to go above their station because if you tried to better yourself in europe 
not only were you killed, your family could be tortured, raped, and killed. Your farm could be burned down. Everything would be taken. And so that brutality was what got passed on. Um, exactly. And so there's this bereftness that that um, the expansion of, of Christianity um, caused. And um, yeah, you know, so how else well, were people going and, to be? And that, and that was also like another thing that fueled colonization was yeah. it was the first time in European history where an average commoner could yeah. gain something in their life. Yes. For a thousand years in Europe, you know, lords yeah. were lords and they gave birth yeah. to lords. And if you were a peasant, you're always going to be a peasant. And there's yeah. no way out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is like the first time in history for hundred generations where people actually had an opportunity to carve out their own kingdom. And, and right. that's all they know. That's all yeah. they knew was... Yeah. You know, I want to be rich like a king. And so yeah. everybody was coming here looking for their their riches and their kingdoms. Right. Did you know that's why we have grass lawns? Did you know that? Grass lawns came into fashion because people were trying to mimic the manor houses. And the only reason a manor house had a lawn was so you could see the approaching enemy. And you could fire you know, so they'd clear the trees around the, the fortress and you'd have, have that. So we have useless grass lawns because of that. Fun fact for the day. It's one of Interesting. my, I hate grass. Sorry. <laughs> Sir. Yeah. But yeah. And then, and then you think about the, the medieval mentality that caused yeah. all the peasants to just stay there. Yes. Is the Kings always had enemies. Yes. And you were protected within the walls of the kingdom. Yeah. And so like, you know, when we look at what happened the last few years here, like Trump really triggered the historical trauma of the yes. peasant population by yes. creating an enemy and building a wall that's going to keep their enemy out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which they never keep people like out as China. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the surf mentality of, of course, he's corrupt because that's what leaders are. And so, you know, you'd better be good at it. You know, it, and this idea of, yeah. of actually having advanced past that. I mean, if you talk about mm -hmm. what's going on today and you replace the word politician and billionaire yeah. yes. and with Lord and King, yes. and you replace the word working class with peasant, yes. we are exactly still yes. in the medieval society with just modern yes. amenities. A hundred percent. We're in feudalism. The average working class mm -hmm. person spends more time away from their family in 2023 than a peasant yes. did in the year 1300. A hundred percent. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, so... I'm wondering, and now let, let's talk about mentorship. You've got a you've got a mentorship program, right? In in your Patreon or well, yeah, or I do have yeah. a way where people can talk to me and stuff, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, by the way, Asanabi does not bite. <laughs> if you are in that tier, I highly recommend you setting up an appointment. I'm super um, nice. I found out that people get nervous when they're thinking of talking to me. And yeah. I'm just like, 
Yo, I'm super nice. <laughs> he is. He is super nice. I've talked to him in private. That's how this happened. Because I was yeah. like, hey, I want you on my podcast because I think people really need to hear what you teach. Um, if we're going to get to like yeah. the actual healing spot, we need everything yeah. on the table. And then we have a place, yeah. you know, to start. And I know it's a hard hard place to get to for a lot of people because they they get so you see this is this is what i'm my my new conclusion okay when we talk about this colonizer thing the reason that they can't accept it and when we tell them what happened to us and all these things is because if it happened to them because of the society they came from they would want revenge yeah and so yeah. they automatically think that that's what we want. And when we start talking about the yeah. boarding schools and on the genocide yeah. of the native people, you know, like yeah. just by bringing this up, a lot of, a lot of these men will, you know, think they need extra guns and extra locks right. now because we're mad at them and we want to take it back or something. But see, that's the difference in our cultures and societies is that in the native culture and society, like we don't want your stuff. Like we actually... Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we don't listen to the, to the Pope. We don't listen to the church. Mm-hmm. We know that, that if you steal something from somebody else, you're going to have a spiritual consequence and no yeah. other man has any authority over that. Right. And so that's the, that's the whole idea is, is about how, to, how do we go about this in a good way, you know? Yeah. And so when, to bring it all the way back to what you said and asked about what can people do to help and support that's it that's it you know educate everybody on what happened and and you know if you want to talk about our culture and stuff a little bit just talk about how we're a peaceful people because that's the biggest misunderstanding in america's every american dude you literally look at anywhere on social media it doesn't matter if you're on facebook or instagram or on tiktok if there is a native talking about the history of his people in a good way there's always at least one colonizer in his comments talking about how the natives kept slaves and they were killing each other and they were just no better than anybody else and that is the genocidal propaganda myth that came straight from the doctrine of discovery that is not true okay our people did not have the kind of slavery that americans had yeah it was was, not chattel you couldn't even really call it slavery because you know you think about the native society back then what what did we have them do um carry us around on a litter no we needed to be in shape (laughs) what do we have slaves do go hunt hunt for us like no we can't trust you know you need skills to go and hunt what do we have them build our wigwam? Like, no, like mm-hmm. we could do that ourselves. Like there was literally nothing in our society that we needed slaves for in the first mm-hmm. place. They would have just mm-hmm. been another mouth to feed. So culturally, mm-hmm. it just doesn't even make sense. Right, right. A prisoner of war might be more fitting, but yes. they were never confined. No. It just meant you have to stay here with us and you can't leave. And then they would just integrate with society as a yeah. normal person in the tribe. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. When I, when I lived in Washington state, I grew up in Oregon and um, my family's been there a very long time. And my grandfather's, um, I believe it was his grandfather 
was friends with one of with the last surviving members of of the Clackamas um, nation that lived in that particular area on the Clackamas River. And the only reason he survived um, was because he was sent to the East Coast to a residential school where they cut his hair and took his everything. And because his entire family and people were wiped out by smallpox. And it mm -hmm. took out a fair amount of our people too. My family didn't own slaves. They just had a lot of kids, <laughs> treated them like slaves. Um, they were abolitionists, but they they weren't above reproach either. Um, and that's important, I think, if you're a white person and you know your history and very few of us do. Some of us do, our grandparents told us stories and their parents told stories. Um, and when you know you have indigenous ancestry, I don't have very much, but what I do have was the result of rape. And I know that. Um, at the very least, I was taught to be respectful because there had been so much loss um, to the point where I got in trouble in fourth grade. Um, but um, I didn't understand it, though. I just was repeating. Um, if you are a white person and you know your history and maybe you know what side you're on, good, bad, in, in the middle, and in fact, doing nothing is still siding with oppression, by the way, um, you have to be very, very mindful to address the shadow of virtue. I'm not like those bad guys. I didn't do it. The defensiveness, we did do it. We do and that's do the it. thing when we're talking about the spiritual path, like it's not about what I think. Mm -hmm. People need to realize that if you're talking about being spiritual, what yeah. spirits are you working with? Yeah. If they're like, oh, I want to work with the spirits of the land. Well, if you <laughs> have ancestors that partook in colonization and you haven't done any work with that, the spirits mm -hmm. of the land all experience genocide too. All the trees and yes. the animals and the birds and the, everything. Yes. And so they can see your ancestry. Yeah. They can see what you've been doing. They can see what you think. And that's what the spirits are not like limited by time and space. And so the yeah. more we know about where we come from and who yeah. we are and what we're doing, you know, it, that's what brings us more in a that frequency vibration with the spirits, you know. Mm -hmm. You think about like the the spirits of the plants, you know, the plants are very um they 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 go back and forth in time you know and they do they, they do their healing in a time in a different times sometimes yes and so yes. like you know that's they can they can really help with that when people Indeed. talk about sitting by a tree you know making mm -hmm. friends with a tree yep <laughs> i think that that's one of the best ways you know to enter the spirit world because they'll, they'll show you they'll oh, show yeah. you that decolonization <laughs> Yes, they'll show they will. you what the forest used to look like. Yeah. They'll show you what happened here. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Been there. <laughs> and um, and it's okay to grieve. It's exactly. okay to grieve. We need to grieve. That's healing. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to stay there. You know, because if you stay in the grief, 
you're not you're you, you continue oppressing as well but not that where you want to shellac it because you don't want to shellac it but from the grief then where asanabe from the grief where then in the well, process i mean if we're talking about the spiritual path yes then i think that's where the your spiritual um practice comes in you know if you're and that's why i recommend the feasting the spirits mm -hmm. and having a form of spiritual cleansing and a form yes. of spiritual protection yes because then your messages the door will open up yes. the more quote unquote decolonized and deconstruction you've done and connecting to the spirits the stronger your the the more of them will see you okay yes. they'll recognize you and yes. the synchronicities and the signs and these different things will start happening more and more. Yeah. And so nobody can really say what happens next. And that's why right. I talked about how I can teach the door. You know, I can yes. show you the door and yeah. this is how you open it. But then where it leads you is going to be individual to you. 100%. You know, you might be you might be guided to learn astrology. You might be guided to learn tarot. You might be guided mm -hmm. to learn your Nordic pagan roots or something, right? Or you <laughs> might be guided to learn more from natives or, right. you know, like the, the, the it's like the ancestors yeah. and your, your, your specific spirits will kind of yes. have more ability to guide you because now you're ready. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it can come in lots of different ways. Lots of different guises. Yeah. By the way, what Asanabe just said, I can open the door for you. When it comes to spirituality, that is, in my opinion, the big green flag when it comes to a teacher. Anyone who says they have the one truth, everything you need to know wrapped up in a seven-step process, that this is the only way that's the red flag somebody who can on a spiritual path say i got a door and then it's your journey and we can walk together for a while you might have many mentors i've had many mentors in a lifetime some were older some were younger my apprentices mentor me in equal measure to me mentoring them mm -hmm. Okay, so don't be careful of the people who have quick, shiny answers. Asanabe is a beautiful teacher I, the, the because you come from the heart. Well, that's um, what I think is that it's really, people are looking for the, the quote-unquote spiritual path, but for me, it's really the healing path. Yes. The more you kind of do this healing of your own personal stuff and then yes. your ancestral stuff and yes. how you you interact with the people in society around you, you know, it, it, it has a spiritual effect. So the spirits will start talking to you more. Yep. And you'll gain that connection stronger. Yeah. A hundred percent. I can vouch for that. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a one size fit all, you know, but um, so I want to encourage absolutely everyone to check out Asanabe's patreon and join his patreon you have multiple tiers right i do yeah so i do and the higher up ones are the ones where you can talk to me yeah yeah that's where i'm at 
I like giving you a call now and then. I don't ever like to bug you too much, but I'm mostly being like, How, <laughs> come on my show. <laughs> um, yeah. And then um, you've yeah. got a Discord server now, right? For your patrons? Well, well, yeah, somebody's starting it up and people are joining it and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a good place to have conversations and learn. Yeah, I think that the idea of networking and sharing is a huge part too and having a, Mm -hmm. you know, a place where you might be able to find somebody who is experiencing or has experienced similar things when you come to these dilemmas, you know, whatever it is, if it's on your ancestry or, Mm -hmm. or rediscovering some gift you have or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good thing because I, you know, like I said, you know, just like you said too, like, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't think any one person does have all the Mm -hmm. answers. I might know a thing or two about a thing or two. Right. You know, I might know maybe five or six things, but Mm -hmm. I definitely don't know everything. Same. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, we can't, life is too complex, but, um, I want to do one more session with you and let's talk about your vision for your, um, that's funny. We have similar visions and you don't even know it. Um, but you want to start a physical space. That's funny. I've been talking about my dream sanctuary where people could come and heal and learn different pathways, but I want to promote yours because you actually have a GoFundMe. Um, mine's still in the dream dream world right now um well it's kind of what mine is too you know mm-hmm. it all does depend on the funding right mm-hmm. now yeah yeah that, you know, that can it, yeah ideally you know if i could get a couple hundred grand i'd mm-hmm. like to get a resort that has mm-hmm. maybe like 10 cabins on a lake mm-hmm. and you know i'd run it just like a regular resort but i would mm-hmm. also have these healing retreats mm-hmm. we'll call them and where people you know, can have an experience right. where we'll talk about things and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe do some things. And mm-hmm. this idea of the spiritual experience without drugs, you know what right. I mean? We don't it's, need drugs to have an altered state. And I'm really worried about people doing psychoactive drugs and especially um, shrooms and acid. I agree. Um, A lot it's of people- unnecessary. A lot of people take their their spiritual thing and they're like, oh, I'm going to go to the music festival for a week and I'm going to have this spiritual experience. You know what I mean? And it's like, maybe, maybe, but you don't know. And that's why I like the idea of the retreat is that it's natural being able to Mm -hmm. create this space for this experience and gather Mm the like-minded people there that can build that energy a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent yeah it's funny my my sanctuary has fruit trees there's people are learning to grow healthy food and they come but it's like yours it, it's it's funny that's what got my apprentices um interested they were listening and then they came running back into our discard and they were like, oh my gosh, he, Asanavi wants to do like your sanctuary too. And I was like, well, then we're probably of the same kind of service, you know, teachers, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but um, I think we need a lot of those. Wouldn't it be cool to see, you know, 20, 30 small spaces that were interconnected? Wouldn't that be neat? 
I do. That's another part of this whole vision is creating the business plan. Yeah. To go along with it. And I would even consult with other people and natives and tribes to to do that for them. I love that. You know? Yeah. Because because the pathway, it's about creating that pathway. Yeah. And then connecting them all, you know? Right. Exactly. I definitely think that that's something. You know, yeah. and if you blow the top right. off of the funding, you know, there's there's a whole environmental centers. You know, yes. we could just buy a $20 million environmental center that yeah. has, you know, dorms and cafeterias and cabins and yes. 600 acres with two lakes. Right. On it. Like, <laughs> then we can have a whole community, you know, right. we could have term healing communities and then people yeah. work there who are actually doing the work there. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, Own the means of production. A hundred percent. Yeah, caretake each other and your space. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Come and live in my decolonization village for a year. Right, <laughs> exactly, a hundred percent. And and with the safety net of of having people who know how to at least support that process. You know, um, yeah. And with the Pluto and Aquarius era coming quickly because we, we're not really in the Pluto and Aquarius era. Um, notice I didn't say age because it's not an astrological age. Pluto stays in Aquarius for 21 years after it gets there in 2024. And it only stays there for 21 years. So an astrological age is like about 2,500 years. And it may have started. It may have started in the 19th century. I kind of fall into that camp where it may have already started things things that move at 2500 years don't don't change quickly right it's right. slow um right it energy, could have been it yeah. could have been 2012 yeah. mind calendar type thing you right know? 2012 2012 was, <laughs> yeah they think 1977 was another year 2012 was definitely a great awakening um, 1998 was another one uh, 2002 was another one um some in the 60s there was some you know in the 1930 was another one but with this pluto in aquarius era the best we understand because no human has observed this before everybody's talking like they know what they're talking about but no human has observed the energy to record it so we're in new territory that's why things are so absurd like look at the world like we knew it was corrupt we knew it was bad but I was just telling a friend the other night, I was like, if they, if we do live in a simulation, which I don't necessarily believe that's quite true, it's kind of true. It was written by a 12 year old boy in 1985. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really ridiculous in, in the scope of it's, it's exaggerated. But the way we get forward in this time, is by joining small groups of like-hearted people. Like-hearted, because we still have to learn how to retrain our minds and learn how to listen to one another and having those interconnected small groups. So you have your center that's connected to other centers and you're supporting people that you are drawn and called to support. And there might be a tundral that reaches out to the sanctuary 
that's what I call my thing, the sanctuary. And I'm connected to other maybe eco-spiritual villages or communities. And those are connected by spirals. And we tendril to one another in cooperation. That's what we're building to. And I think we'll see it, a, a much more Star Trek-like world in 20 years. I think it's possible. Will we get there all the way? I don't know. But I think it's possible. We'll see how probable. But um, it takes people like you to do it. And um, you listeners, you know, if you want this change, if you want places like Asanabe describes, you have to support the people who are putting it together. Because most spiritual teachers didn't come from privilege, or if they did, they lost it as part of their journey and have a bumpy road. They need the support to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So go so support. Yeah, it is. <laughs> when you're trying to, you know, be more spiritual, so to speak, you got to figure mm -hmm. out how to walk in both worlds. Yep. And I think that's one of people's first dilemmas is if they're working in a career or a job mm -hmm. that they find unfulfilling and unproductive mm -hmm. to their spiritual path. That's one of the first things they got to figure out is yep. how do you change that? And and yeah. what do you change it to? You know, some people enjoy working jobs where they're, if you know, get get to help people and kind yes. of develop their skills on on the job and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. But but for somebody like me who's trying to do what I'm doing, there is really yeah. isn't a job for me to do that. Yeah. And that's where Patreon comes in, and that's yes. where the outside support comes in. Yes. So I'm really yeah. appreciative of all of that of support that I've got. And that's the only yes. thing that really got me thinking on this next step of having a place is everybody's awesome support that I've got on TikTok and Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have links to all of that. I will gather all those links. They'll be in all of the podcast descriptions. I want you to check them out. I want you to go check out Asanabe on TikTok. I want you to go be a patron um if you can if you can't it's understandable i know some of you listen here and you can't come into my patreon right now that's okay give what you can if you can't give financially share the message it's easy to click a share button and send it to a friend um that is as it's honestly as important believe it or not it's not less important it's not a oh well i can't do anything else it's as important to share the message um and uh because just like this podcast is sponsored by my patrons so check out asanabe thank you so much asanabe i appreciate your time yeah thank you for having me yeah we'll have you back too was that fire or what so uh, big thanks to asanabe you can follow him on tiktok you can get his dream catchers and sage it's actually um not white sage okay so he has ethically source things that he collects okay so um he is a wonderful teacher and um 
I, I love I love his teachings, and I was just on his live stream tonight, just listening to him talk, and he pointed out, you know, use your white privilege to uplift and defend indigenous people. You know, stop asking them to do all the dirty work. There are thousands of missing indigenous women and children thousands and they go unreported or untalked about it's that common it's that common so use your privilege wherever you have it to uplift BIPOC people underprivileged people and the indigenous people because we are guests here Okay. Unpacking patriarchy, deconstructing the colonializer's mindset where we make excuses. That, that, we don't need to do that. Even if you're like, you know, like, like in the conversation with him, I know there's a side of my family (laughs) who were still colonizers. They were more like the French he discusses in his, because they were, but it doesn't mean they didn't take stuff. Didn't mean they didn't do it wrong, right? I come from other colonizing ancestry that that were right old bastards. And how do we make it better? Well, we can't undo the past. We can't take away the genocide, the abject wiping out of entire groups of people, families. We can't take away the residential schools. We can't take away the erasure of culture and spiritual practices and identity. We can't undo it. We can't undo the past. Okay. And if you've ever experienced trauma, you know telling the story doesn't fix it, right? It doesn't fix it. It doesn't repair it. But it, their story is untold in our history classes. And when it is told, it is justified. And there's no such thing as justifiable genocide. Okay. No such thing. There was no need except through dominance and control. Okay. And even if your family came here after, you still benefit from it, right? So uplift the voices. If you see um, a TikTok with a missing indigenous woman or child, share it. Share it. Even if you don't live in that area, share it. Uplift people's voices. Stop asking people to teach you uplift their voices and you'll learn something so um lecture is over lecture is over (laughs) and i think it's time for some patron shout outs don't you and then we'll talk about the week All right, you know what that music means. It's time for my favorite part of the podcast. I am so excited, my friends. We are getting closer and closer to 800 patrons. 
I am so excited. All right, so we've got we've got a bunch of new people. All right, let's start here. We've got Alyssa Rose, Margaret Murray, Brienne Bernstein, Crystal Marina, Angela Gooden, Mia. Oh, sorry. I'm going to have to put my reading glasses on. Oh, they're on top of my head. Where are they? All right. Then I can do it. Mountaintop artists. There we go. Shanessa Brown, Cecilia Woodcock-Zee, Kimberly Nicole Casalari, Glitch Paladin. Oh, I love that name. Uh, Todd and Abby, Tennessee Street Cat, Carla Racinos, Mark Dean, um, Goodman, let's see, Andrea, Laura O'Brien, Alexa Musa, Brooke Obst, Adele, Steve of Finland, I love your username, um, Eve, oh, Evie, like the Pokemon, M.E. Hurst, Brooke Barnett, Jess, Jana Mer- Memory, Angela Piccio, if I butchered your name, my apologies. This is, you know, I don't know why I'm reading last names this time because normally I just go with first names because that's easier. Carrie, Cat, Elizabeth, Anonymous, Lori, uh, Marissa, Candice013, Carly, Maria, Sarah, Elena, Ginger Gypsy, Kim T, Martins, Times Two, Alexis, Tessa, Tammy, Haley, Alex the Leo, Ren, Marianne, Tammy, Rachel, Robert, Michelle, Stephanie, Rachel Lynn, Amy, Marcy, Tatiana, Coney, 33, Sylvia, and Sabrina. Big thank you to being patrons. Um, You guys have made my day super exciting. We're getting ever so close ever so close to 800 we're just a couple away so if you feel like joining that'd be cool we're trying to get to a thousand patrons because we're going to be adding in video for this podcast it's going to be a little different framework um and i've got this cool new software we've been playing around and we're going to do um we're going to practice to get really really good at it before we take the awake space into a more video format and so we'll be practicing with it on the patreon so once in a while you'll get a last minute hey we're doing this thing if you want to join in and call in go ahead then we'll do it more formally for patrons okay so me and the astrologers we're just practicing we're just practicing with it right now all right um let's talk about the week real quick um so we are just in in volatile times this is the undoing of a very long system of oppression and like i said in the beginning sometimes it's just like a snake that's on its way out and it's gonna try to bite you um you can't you can't enter it with fear speaking of there was a news story that makes this allegory great um (laughs) so this pilot in south africa I think this happened when the moon was in Scorpio. This pilot was in South Africa and he was already in the air and there was a cobra in the cockpit and he became aware of the snake because it was, and I quote, slithering on his body. Now, he managed to land the plane and not get bit. 
That's what I'm talking about, friends. You have to hold steady. You can't flinch in times like these. It doesn't mean you don't feel the fear. I'm sure he felt the fear. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you'd have to be uh, pretty special not to feel the fear with a snake crawling on you um, while you're trying to fly a plane. But you hold steady. You keep your breathing steady. You keep your heart rate steady. And yeah, you can do that, you know. Um, my dad taught me how to do that when I was a kid, when we'd be out in the woods or um, hunting or fishing, you know, just keeping yourself quiet, your body quiet, keeping your mind quiet. And it's a practice. It's not something you're automatically good at. And I was well trained by the grouse. And I don't know if you have ever encountered the wild bird, the game bird called grouse but those things will come out of the bushes thumping their chest and it's startling and as a kid learning not to yelp or holler when a grouse startled me was something else um and so you know nature can be your guide um nature can be your guide so practice your breathing learn intentional breathing because we've got some interesting events on the way, of course. So the minute um, Venus enters Gemini, and I talked about a little bit more about what you could do with that energy at the beginning of the podcast. Don't feel f afraid of re-listening. Um, let me see here. We're looking at... Um, <laughs> so Venus moves into Gemini, and she will be trying Pluto the minute she does. Now... This could be very interesting, and I think it'll be very beneficial for people who are organizing, for the people who operate at a collective level where they're communicating, listening as much as speaking, where people have organized and share information. This might be actually interesting social media time. We will be able to push forward. I want you to keep pressing your representatives and your senators to be against the Restrict Act. It's working. New Hampshire's legislature just made a resolution that said they are against the Restrict Act. Okay. This is bigger than TikTok. This is bigger than TikTok. And yeah, we hear a lot of anti-China rhetoric right now. And that is because China is about to take us economically. Okay, they're trying to take us economically. Don't clutch your pearls. America has been an imperialist colonizing state since its inception because it was an ins it, it honestly became the very thing we were taught in school we wanted to break free of. Okay, so we were fighting the crown to become independent, but we operated on a slightly more evolved, slightly more evolved operating system. Okay, slightly, but it was kind of like DOS going to Windows 95, okay? It was not going from Windows 9, you know, it wasn't from DOS to the latest operating system, okay? So we've been stuck on Windows 95, and if you remember that, I don't know if you do, but man, that thing would hang, right? That's where we've been. That's where we've been. That's why we don't have accountability for our elected officials, okay? We don't have accountability because 
back in the day, they figured people would just have a duel and it would be over, right? This man has no honor. I throw the gauntlet down. No, that, that doesn't happen. You'd imagine. You'd think they would, though, with all of their love of guns. Um, so I think we'll see some good news for organizers, for community work, for people who communicate, collaborate, and play. For those who do not listen. For those who do not collaborate, for those who are ruggedly individualistic, and for those who are uh, just devoid of, of purpose, devoid of vision, devoid of ethics, it's not going to be fun. Now, I know we love to think of Venus as a soft entity, but it is honestly um, neither feminine nor masculine. It, it, Venus itself is receptivity, but it is androgyny because it rules two signs. And Taurus is, if we're going to use binary interpretation, uh, Taurus is feminine. Libra is mas masculine energy. It's not feminine energy. And so Venus itself is the two combined. And in that you have wholeness, right? If you're using the binary, you know, terms. Um, that's not my favorite. I like to look at Venus as either receptive or repelling energy, depending on how you are operating in your consciousness. If you're operating on automatic pilot through social cultural conditioning and you don't want to think about it, the, the word woke bothers you. <laughs> you're probably going to have a problem with that. You're probably going to have a problem with me too. Um, by the way, woke isn't anything new. It was a term I learned when I was young because I was paying attention and I was mesmerized by the Black Panthers and the Black Power Movement um, because, I don't know, I just thought it was cool that they were trying to live their lives. <laughs> I couldn't understand why people thought that was a problem. Still don't. Um... So if people think woke is a bad word, well, they're going to have a problem because it's going to get real woke real fast. But remember, but remember, we only have Pluto direct in Aquarius for a couple more weeks because May 1st, it stations retrograde. Um, and so it will swing back into Capricorn June 11th. Like I said, we're not in the Pluto and Aquarius era. We're getting a taste. So don't be surprised that we're going to have a really interesting summer because Pluto's going to swing back into Capricorn and that snake that is writhing in its death throes is going to try to bite. All right, so be ready. Get organized. Get your game plan together now. Use this time. We also benefit from Mercury stationing retrograde um, later in the month okay, of April. So those retrogrades are not always bad. They are a time to review and assess, okay? Review and assess. We don't always want to run blindly forward, okay? So it's time to kind of look at what we've learned from this little bit of time of Pluto and Aquarius and start writing down the game plan and start revising the strategies, all right? All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to do a little bit of Q&A and then we're going to wind up this episode. I, I'm just so excited about the conversation with Asanabe and I'm so glad it's been so well received by everyone. Thank you.
All right. We're talking about spirituality as well as astrology here on the podcast. Um, I'm going to answer some questions. The first question I'm asking is from Mar, and it is, hi there. When reviewing astrology reports such as the one for today, do I go by ascend the rising or ascending sign or by both, um, or sun sign, right? That's what they're asking. I, I got to put my reading glasses on again. I don't why, know why I keep taking them off. Um, it gets confusing. Can you help a fixed sign Leo uh, by air sign Libra? Um, Pisces moon out, which to look for. So you're confusing yourself. I get it. So when you're talking about the crunch report, you, I'm, you're looking at your whole chart. You're not looking at your rising sign. You're not looking at your moon sign. All of those numbers in the crunch report, you see a little pie chart. It's showing where the emphasis or the tension of energy is in the signs. So you're going to look at all your 12 houses and go, oh, wow. These areas are going to feel more stressed than these other areas. Now, as a patron, because patrons are the ones who get the crunch reports, um, and I, all patrons get that. I do a little video. I explain what's going to go on in the world. And then you get a little pie chart where I show how crunchy it's going to be. And crunchy just means intensity. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean bad. It could be good. Okay. Good things. Like think about, you know, a celebration day, a, you know, a big birthday bash or a big family vacation or a wedding or, you know, those happy days can be intense, right? You know? When you, when you kiss somebody you got chemistry with, it can be a really crunchy kind of intensity, right? So it's not always bad, but it is intense. So you want to look at every house and then you'll see that it's not a horoscope. So in the right, in the horoscopes, you, you, you read for your rising sign or the house, the moon is transiting. And I'm making a brand new format right now that uh, patrons will get well, hopefully tonight. I don't know. I got to be up in the morning. So it might come out um, Monday here um, instead of Sunday night, just because again, I've got, I've got some meetings tomorrow. Um, don't worry. It'll be worth it. Eventually you'll have exciting news, but when you get the horoscopes, then those have instructions. So the crunch report is first of all, just a heads up on the astrological weather. Okay. That's it. This is, it's going to be bumpy and crunchy. Here's where the intensity levels are. And you're looking at the houses, not your sun, your moon, not your, not your placements necessarily. You're just looking at the houses. Now, if you don't know what the houses mean, you have a handy dandy astro guide, which is a 47 page book that I wrote to help you with visual and written information about basic astrology information. Okay. I know a lot of people think they've studied the astrologies, but you've, you, you know enough to be dangerous. So if you don't understand what the houses truly represent, don't go off pop astrology and go, Oh, 10th house is my career. No, it's your avocation. It's your calling. It's your reputation. Nine times out of 10, you have a day job that pays your bills. And that's the sixth house. Yes, promotions and firings and, you know, things that happen to you can show up in the 10th because it's your reputation, right? 
It's your reputation, but your day-to-day routine and how you make your money is the sixth house. All right. So look at the Astro Guide for more information. The story of the house is in the, is in there. That's one of my favorite things ever. And it explains the expansion of consciousness through the houses. So there is that. There is that. Good question, though. So all patrons get the Astro Guide. Now, <clears throat> I know this is a longer episode, but don't you think it was worth it? Um, I have a question from Casey's. Uh, from Casey, one of my Padawans. Um, in your opinion, what co- what qualifies someone to be a spiritual teacher? That's a really deep question, Casey. Um, now, I spoke about this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, so I, I didn't even know you asked this question. So we're in alignment. Quelle surprise. Um, for the non-speakers, what a surprise. I, I identify a spiritual teacher by the feeling I feel from them. It's not the words that they use. It's not the lingo they use. It is the feeling I get from them. Um, in the spiritual traditions in which I was trained, some of which, again, I don't always discuss because some of them are closed. Um, usually a spiritual teacher goes through initiations in life. And those initiations can be through ceremony, like Asanabi has talked about. In the traditions I've come through, we see it as life experiences as well. Now, again, you can have initiations for formal training, and I've had those, but also life initiations. There isn't a real spiritual teacher that I have heard or met that has not experienced the life initiations, which can be crisis points, okay? These are sometimes dark nights of the soul. But the difference between someone going through the initiatory process and the actual teacher is the teacher has managed to walk out the other side. Um, A little bit like Gandalf fighting the Balrog, if you will, right? He was already um, what we would call an aspirant. He was already masterful at the intellectual side of 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 his magic and it was through the transformational process of fighting the balrog that he became gandalf the white you know from gandalf the gray um that's the best analogy i can kind of give in a in a what most people will understand um your traumas are not necessarily your initiation they're part of being human in a physical body it is when you begin to deconstruct from the ego, which is trying to keep you small, which is part of patriarchal training, but also part of being human, right? Um, when you begin to understand that you don't know much about anything, um, when you have awarenesses, and a calling to share, but not 
not to bend the will of others to your own, not to reshape the world into one of your own making, but rather you have something to share and others are ready to hear it. You know, I think the students often make the teacher, you know. Um, it's not, I, I, it's a fine line between saying who is and who is not. But I find there's a lot of celebrity people out in the world who claim the moniker of teacher, who would be what some people call guru, which means teacher, um, who have elements of that, but they're, they're stumping or they're proselytizing is to rile people up or excite people but often leads them without any process um, to become more of themselves, right? So it's it's exciting people that they agitate the energy, but they don't give people anywhere to take it except to listen to them more, okay? And in, in my opinion and experience, a spiritual teacher is one who empowers other people to find that spark within and to carry it forward, to ignite their own flame. I think all of us can be spiritual teachers if we're willing to do the work. It's a lot of work. And that's why you see spiritual teachers arriving a little bit older sometimes. And I think it's easy to get the hubris in your twenties and thirties. You may be very well be on your spiritual path. I was too. Yeah. I was too. Sometimes when you've experienced early childhood trauma, you're, you're awake before your compatriots. Okay. And it's a crazy path and it might gain you a little bit of an understanding or wisdom but until you can, you you're no longer writhing in in contiguous <laughs> dark nights of the soul. Until you drop the story of 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 the trauma as an identity, and you seek the narrative of healing in whatever space, you don't have to be a healer, but you, you know, it, it's when you, when you realize the path is always onward, um, that, that, that gives you that space. And, and so you, a lot of times you see people in their, you know, forties and fifties, finally speaking, cause there, there might be a time where you're quiet, you know, there might be a time where you're quiet and Asanabe talked about it tonight on his life about, you know, he wished he would have started sooner and, and, you know, I, I've, I've, I know that feeling because I kept things very private because much like him, I was taught to keep things very close to the chest, very quiet. And when an individual would come to me and request the teaching, I would teach it. That was actually some of the rules I, I had agreed upon. Okay. 
And then, uh, but I knew the game was changing in 2020. I knew with the vast amount of awakening happening um, that, that the willing would be there and, and the students would be there. And then you showed up. So that's, that's, yeah. So um, what qualifies us? I, I don't think it's a certificate. <laughs> I think it's identifiable in the person's walk, in their talk. And I think in today's world, as we move towards the Pluto and Aquarius era, the teacher is human and they have gifts and they have a spiritual message. But I think anyone who is portraying this paragon of virtue, BS that comes out of the new age movement and white spirituality, um, Christianity, this need to be saintly, um, that would give me a red flag. I think people who have a message and still show their humanity. And I give you another, another quote from Lord of the Wings, but Strider said to the, to the hobbits, when they were like, you don't, you don't look like much, you know, basically they were giving him a hard time. And he said, is it better to look fair and feel foul? Or is it better to feel fair and look foul? So should you feel, should you look good and have the aesthetic and that, and, and yet be corrupted on the inside or immature on the inside or not have enough knowledge, think you know a lot more than you do. Or is that person who's got the grays or the beat up nose or maybe a shady past or somebody who has walked through the fires and trials of life and who drops an F-bomb here or there, gets impassioned, fights sometimes. Sometimes people are worth fighting for. Sometimes there's causes worth fighting for. We don't necessarily have to shoot people to do that. We can, we can educate. And sometimes it requires a little fire in the belly and to get people's attention. And in Buddhism, they call that the lightning bolt and thunder clap technique. And I actually had a Buddhist nun do that to me once. She like was baiting on my, on my, the, my back in the, in the heart center area and just, I don't know what she was saying because I didn't speak Mandarin, but she was like beating on my back with a, like breaking up resistance patterns. That's a story for another day. But um, it was one of those serendipitous events. I've been blessed by many mentors, teachers, and healers in my life. And so sometimes spiritual teachers have weird stories too. Um, but yeah. It's usually not a certification given in a 10-week course that qualifies you as a spiritual teacher. It's, it can give you good knowledge and good skills, but a spiritual teacher will have qualities that resonate in truth, and um, they will often speak of love lighting the way. Not always, but sometimes. That was a great question, a complex question, and I expect nothing less from you. By the way, you can book with Casey and Mackenzie, Jennifer, and Rita as natal astrologers. They're my Padawans, and I'm very proud of who they are. Thank you so much for listening.
See you next week.